You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Walsteen. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. I don't know about you, but um, if I look back over the course of my life, uh, the times that I think I've grown the most in my walk with the Lord uh, have been some of the most difficult seasons of my life. And God is gracious to redeem those times, those seasons, and to mold and shape us uh, into his image. Um, before we I go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2 this morning, if you've got your Bibles there, while you're turning there, uh, let me give you a, a quick update. Uh, if you've uh, been looking at the board over here, uh, we have slowed up just a bit uh, in our march toward our goal of $800,000 in this kind of final push and season of radical generosity uh, toward the Joshua Project. Uh, I want to tell you, things are moving forward. Uh, we've got our geotech study done, which is where they come over and they drill down into the soil and tell you, uh, you know, if it's suitable for building or not, or what you need to bring in, what you need to do to it, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really, more significant than that, even, is we now have a physical address over there. Yeah, we have a 911 address. Yeah, so 565 Colin McKinney Parkway. So we've been talking about Cartwright Road for a long time. Cartwright Road is going to be changing to Colin McKinney Parkway. Um, now, don't, don't mail anything to that address just yet, okay? Unless it's a complaint letter and then fire it away. I don't, you know, it's just going to get returned to sender, okay? So, um, but that will be our new address, uh, Lord willing. Um, soon. Soon. All right. Philippians chapter 2 uh, is where we are going to be this morning for just a few moments as we... Uh, Start a new sermon series called Rhythms. Rhythms, living and looking like Jesus in the flow of life. What is a rhythm? Most people function by way of routines in their life. How many of you are routine people? Like you, okay, that's a good number of us. Others of you are just like, where am I going? Why am I here? Why am I dressed this way? What's next? You know, it's that kind of thing. I'm, at least that's how the rest of us feel that you operate. I don't, I don't know. But anyway... Uh, I'm pretty much a, a routine person. Um, we often find ourselves doing things each day, uh, even uh, without even consciously thinking much about it. Uh, it may involve getting ready in the morning. Uh, maybe you do the same thing. Uh, you follow the same, or it's just like no coffee, no talkie. You know, like for you, that's you got got to go to the coffee pot first. That's kind of part of your routine. Maybe it's uh, how you drive, even. Uh, maybe it's it, how you clean up or even the work that you do. Maybe it, it, it has a routine to it. Uh, rhythms are helpful, uh, and, and they are marked in our brains in a way that allows us to save mental cognitive energy for the non-routine parts of our day. And some of us have to use those mental energies maybe a little more than others in like developing new ideas or studying or creating. Uh, I, I create a sermon essentially every week. Uh, and so I need the mental energy uh, to be able to do that. So a rhythm, uh, as it relates to life itself, is any sequence of regularly occurring functions or events, basically. Uh, we all have rhythms of daily living. I'm going to guess that virtually all of you this morning have already eaten something, right? Uh, if you haven't, then this sermon is going to seem like it's really long, okay? Um, <laughs> 
Uh, but it, that's just, it's, it's a part of the rhythms of our life. I mean, you know, even if you've eaten a lot, maybe at a buffet or something, and like me, you found yourself going, I won't need to eat for two days. And then three hours later, you're like, what's, what's, what are we eating? You know, it, it's just those kinds of things make up really kind of the rhythms of, of our lives. And rhythms are often the building block for other systems. Now, your rhythms, the rhythms of your life will change depending on the season of life in which you find yourself. Uh, I want some of you who are a little older who have kids, I want you to think back to pre-kids, right? Okay, maybe you're newly married, it's 11 o'clock at night, and you're like, hey, let's run down to Sonic and get a shake. And you're like, yeah, you jump in the car and run to Sonic and grab a shake, that's awesome. But then you have kids, Suddenly, the rhythms of your life change completely, right? Uh, I can remember uh, when I was a young seminary student, and God providentially provided a job for me working on a dairy farm in northwestern Pennsylvania, and we started at 4.30 a.m. Suddenly, the rhythms of my life changed dramatically, and until I got on that routine, I can remember vivid, I can remember sitting bolt upright in the bed at 1.30 in the morning thinking I had overslept and missed my alarm. I look over at the clock, it's just 1.30, I had to go back to sleep. And it took a while for me to get on that routine, to establish some rhythms uh, in my life. And so uh, you will often hear athletes, sports teams, talk about getting into a rhythm. The Bengals and the Rams, you know, they've been preparing for a couple of weeks now for tonight's game. And I guarantee you at some point, they've been talking about getting their offense into a rhythm and that sort of thing. Uh, the, the rhythm of our heartbeat. Pretty, pretty important, isn't it? It allows for the normal flow of blood through the body. And when your heart is out of rhythm, uh, that can be dangerous. And it requires corrective measures. Maybe some of you have been in AFib, and you know what I'm talking about. And so it's, it can be exhausting to you, and it's it just, uh, that, that's, that's not a good thing. Uh, the rhythm of a drumbeat. Uh, our drummer's pretty important to, to the whole mix up here and, and, and all of that. But rhythm really is, is kind of like the backbone of a musical piece, of a composition. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly not a musician, but the way I understand it is you can actually have rhythm without a melody, but you can't have melody without rhythm. Okay, it's the backbone there. It's what kind of pulls everything together. Now, it's often confused with tempo. Okay, whenever you think about the rhythms of life, many times you think about the tempo of your life. And if you have recently entered uh, maybe the empty nest stage of life, or maybe you've gone into retirement now, hopefully the tempo of your life uh, ha has, has dropped a little bit. Things can slow down a little bit. Some of you feel like you're just running from one thing to the next. That kind of makes up the, the tempo of your life. They are related for sure, but they're not exactly the same thing. Uh, another example is... Uh, when I worked on the dairy farm, my uh, boss's wife raised Tennessee walking horses. And occasionally people would come out to the farm and they would want to ride horses. And you'd get people that, you know, they would say that they had experience horseback riding. But the next thing you know, you look up and they're on the back of a horse and they're going like this. You know, it's like they can't get into rhythm with the horse. Like you, it's like they just couldn't make it work, you know. Rhythm's important. And the whole idea behind this series of messages, and this morning's message is really kind of an introduction to uh, the series and where we're going with this, uh, God wants us to establish some healthy rhythms that will enhance our spiritual lives, that will help us grow in the life that He desires for us to live. Spiritual rhythms are essentially the heartbeat of a growing disciple. So here's some big truth for you this morning. 
please hear this. God desires to use the normal rhythms of our lives for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. God desires to use the normal rhythms of our lives for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. We sometimes think that God is waiting patiently for us to do something spectacular. Sometimes God in his grace and in his sovereignty allows that. Something that most people would consider spectacular. Sometimes we think he's waiting for us to do something that's just so over the top or so out of the ordinary that he just has to bless us. When in reality, he longs to meet us and to use us in the ordinary flow of life. Why do you suppose the Christian life in Scripture is often referred to as a walk? You walk with the Lord. Many times in Scripture, whenever you see the word walk, it's not really talking about getting from point A to point B, putting one foot in front of the other. It's talking about living out the Christian life in the day-to-day, in the rhythms of life. It's what Eugene Peterson, who paraphrased uh, Scripture and called it the message, he calls, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's looking unto Jesus, Scripture says, the author and the finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes focused on him while we strive to live out the Christian life in the normal activities of everyday life. What happens many times is we fall into the trap of compartmentalizing things. So we can quickly kind of have a section of our lives that's secular and a section of our lives that's sacred or spiritual. And so Monday through Friday, you you give very little, if any, thought to your your spiritual life and your walk with the Lord. But then Sunday comes and it's like, oh, this is a spiritual day. And so I got to go do church. That's not how God intends for us to live out the Christian life. Our relationship with him should permeate every other area of our lives whether that's working or playing or or whatever. Now, in this series of messages, we're going to look at some very ordinary things. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at eating and hospitality. And we're not going to talk so much. Go ahead and just breathe a sigh of relief. We're not going to talk so much about your diet, per se, okay? Not going there. But we are going to talk about how you use the very ordinary act of eating for the glory of God. Do you realize scripture says that Jesus came, whenever, whenever you just, if you were going to complete that sentence, Jesus came what? You'd say, oh, to seek and to save the lost. That's true, right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you know that scripture also says Jesus came eating and drinking? Eating and drinking. And Lord willing, next week we're going to look at what, what many of us know as the story of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And then when Jesus passed by, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Why? Because I'm coming to your house today. He wanted to eat with Zacchaeus. He wanted to have a face-to-face with Zacchaeus. He wanted to be in relationship with Zacchaeus. And that rubbed the religious people of his day the wrong way, didn't it? Because they hated tax collectors. They hated tax collectors. They were were turncoats. (laughs) They were traitors. They were working for Rome. And yet, Those are the kind of people that Jesus came to to interface with. So we're going to look at some very ordinary things like that. Hospitality. Scripture tells us, be hospitable. Practice hospitality. So what does that look like, those very ordinary things? Lord willing, the next week, Jace is going to cover the subject of rest and Sabbath. Rest and Sabbath. 
Um, and so those are just some of the things that we have to look forward to. Now, I would also do, I very rarely do this, but I want to recommend a book to you um, that has been so helpful to me. And we're not going to preach this book. This series is not based upon this book per se, but it's called Habits of the Household. Uh, it's written by a guy named Justin Whitmore Early, who also wrote The Common Rule. Um, great, great stuff in here. Uh, and the, the subtitle is Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And for those of you especially who have kids, this would, this would be worth your time, worth the money you would spend on this book. And he goes into even uh, some more specific things like waking and meal times, uh, screen time, family devotions, work, play, conversation, bedtime, uh, the rhythms of life. Uh, and how we can utilize those for ultimately God's glory and for our good. And so we need rhythms of grace. And so this morning I want us to consider how to cultivate rhythms of grace by working out what God is working in. What God is working in. Uh, This is the foundation for this series on rhythms. And so I hope that you'll look with me at Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he says here, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's the first thing I want you to see from Paul's writing to the church at Philippi here. Work out your salvation through rhythms of grace. Work out your salvation through rhythms of grace. Now, for a little context here, Paul planted the church at Philippi. We find record of that in Acts chapter 16. They were following hard after God. They were taking Paul's teaching to heart. They were growing in their faith. We walked through the book of Philippians a few years ago as a church family. It's a a book about joy. It's about life in Christ, our identity in Christ. But he wanted them to continue to make progress in their new faith, even though he is no longer with them. Um, Just like with us, and and especially with our kids, as they're growing more independent, sometimes they're reluctant to, to do things on their own. And apparently there's a little bit of that going on here. That's why he references this whole idea of, uh, you know, even if, I'm, even if I'm absent, I want you to continue in this. So there seems to be a hint of that. It's important that we not miss the word therefore. Uh, th- those conjunctions in Scripture are super important because they, they become like a link for us to what came before. Uh, and so we, we need to stop here and pause for just a moment. Paul says that they should obey in light of who Jesus is. In light of who Jesus is and what he has done, even in his own obedience to the point of death and the fact that we will one day bow our knee before him. So he says, work out your salvation. Now, given the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, which scripture makes very clear, then the greatest question of life is how can we as sinful human beings be reconciled to a holy God? That's a question fundamentally that you need to be able to answer for yourself. And if you haven't, I would love to take some time. I would love to buy you a cup of coffee, buy you lunch, and I would love to be able to explain that to you. How you can know that you're in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Well, there are two fundamental answers to that question, basically. You achieve it or you receive it. A lot of people today think that you achieve it. 
Uh, One is earned, the other is a gift made possible by the grace of God. We have to be very careful here that we do not hear Paul saying, work for your salvation. He is not promoting and preaching a works-based salvation, one that you can earn by your best efforts. That Rhythms of grace are not things that you do to earn God's favor, okay? to, to earn a place in heaven someday. That's not what we're talking about here. Paul is really talking about progressing in our faith. And this is one of the reasons that we talk about the importance of needing the gospel every day of our lives, not just at the moment of our salvation when we turn from our sin to faith in Christ. And so if you ever stop and think about the gospel as something that's already in the rearview mirror for you and you no longer need it, you don't understand the full gospel. Okay? We, we need Jesus every day. Like You need Jesus when you're going to Walmart. Okay, like We need Jesus every day. And we need to continue to proclaim the gospel to ourselves every single day. And that's what I want us to see here. We have to understand the difference between justification and sanctification. Now, for some people, those are some pretty big words, but they're really fairly simple to understand. Justification happens when God gives us grace to trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And now, He forgives us all of our sin debt and counts us righteous in Him. So justification, an easy way to remember what that means theologically is it's being made just as if I'd never sinned. That's justification. Justification frees us from the penalty of our sin. Sanctification is the process of progressively becoming more righteous or more like Jesus. So where justification frees us from the penalty of sin, sanctification frees us from the power of sin in our lives. How many of you know that you are saved from the penalty of sin but you're not yet saved from the power of sin, right? That's a work that's, that's every day, right? Every day. Mike's got to get up in the morning and go, hey, check this out, buddy. You're not on the throne. God needs to be on the throne, okay? You need to daily die to yourself so that you can live unto Christ. It's what Paul describes as, man, there are so many things that I want to do, but I don't do them. And there are things that I don't want to do, and I find myself doing them. It's that, it's that struggle that we all deal with every single day. That's all part of sanctification, So sanctification frees us from the power of sin in our lives. Paul is covering sanctification here in verses 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. And he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now working out means making progress, developing the character of Christ as he continues to save us, not just from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin in our lives. And yes, we do have a responsibility to pursue Christ-likeness. It's a pursuit. It's a walk. In the words of 2 Peter chapter 1, we must make every effort. The Christian life is not to be lived passively. Where once, once you, you know, prayed the prayer, you filled out the card, even got baptized, now you can just kind of prop your feet up and take it easy because you got your fire insurance. That, that's not the biblical pattern of discipleship that we see. That's why theologians have referred to some of the rhythms that we're going to talk about in this series of messages that we build into our lives as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. God has given us, Richard Foster is a Quaker who wrote in his book, Celebration of Discipline. He said this, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. And he went on to write, 
God continues to sanctify us by His grace, and the disciplines are a means by which that happens. So rhythms of grace, so that we don't misunderstand here at the very beginning of this series of messages, rhythms of grace are not legalistic rituals. Legalism is, is, is trying to earn our way into God's favor. Ritual is essentially doing what we do without substance. Ritual it becomes easily becomes empty action. Okay, and so just like exercise, if you go to the gym, you work out, you pick up dumbbells, whatever you do, you get on your Peloton or whatever the, the case may be for you, it promotes physical strength and wellness. So the rhythms of grace promote spiritual strength, vitality, health. That's why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, train, think discipline, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, he's talking about the temporal uh, nature of bodily exercise. Not a, not a bad idea. In fact, it's a good idea. But it, but it only has so much benefit. He goes on to say, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is eternal in nature. So seeking God through the rhythms of grace is like sitting under the showers of His grace by which He cleanses us and fills us with His strength to live for Him. Now there's a danger in this. This is a caution. As we cultivate these rhythms of grace, we can quickly begin to do so in our own strength. That's kind of our, our, our default mode, isn't it? Self-reliance. Self-effort. And it's incredibly damaging to our spiritual lives. That is why it's not surprising that Paul says here, work out for God who works in you. I don't want you to miss the language that's used here. Work out, live out what God is working into you. So scripture tells us that when we turn from our sin to faith in Jesus Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live out the Christian life. So Paul is using that kind of language here. He says, live out, work out, in a practical way, day-to-day, in the normal, everyday rhythms of life, what God is working into you. So with that, number two, depend on God as you cultivate rhythms of grace. D.A. Carson said this, We work out our salvation with fear and trembling precisely because God is working in us. He's working in us. So sanctification is a gracious work of God as He works in the depths of our lives to produce change in us. And you have to understand that the rhythms and the disciplines themselves are not the source of grace and strength in our lives. No, God simply works through those rhythms. He is the source of strength. He is the source of grace in our lives. You, you, you may even be here this morning, maybe you're even doubting that God can work in you and change you. Maybe there are others who think, whether it's explicitly right now as you sit here and listen to this sermon, or it be by your actions tomorrow morning when you wake up, that you really don't need these rhythms of grace. Listen to the words of Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges is one of the most influential authors in my life. Jerry Bridges says this, Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Let me say that again. 
Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need for God's grace. So here's the issue. Without spiritual rhythms, the Christian life is often reduced to seasons of hot and cold. And if you identify with that in your Christian life, Maybe you can go back and you can identify those times. Maybe it was after a youth camp when you were a teenager and you came back and you were like on this spiritual mountaintop. You're just kind of walking in this state of spiritual euphoria. And man, it's great. I'm going to live for Jesus every day in my school and I'm going to take a stand for Christ and everything. And then, man, you look three months later and it's like, what, youth camp? What did that guy even talk about at youth camp? I don't remember. And it doesn't change as we become adults many times. And so you go through these seasons of just a lot of hot and cold, you know? That's why it's so important that we need regular spiritual rhythms. It's living the Christian life with consistency. And if there's any common answer to the question, what do you, what do you feel like you struggle with the most in your Christian life? Now, we say it in different ways, but the common answer is always consistency. Consistency, again, it's what Peterson refers to as it's, it's, a, it's a long obedience in the same direction. Walking in Christ's like it's lived out every single day of our lives. And so when rhythms then become ritual, faith often turns into legalism. So the focus shifts then to checking the boxes, uh, not continually allowing God to reshape the desires of our hearts. And so we, we don't want it to be seen as that either. So th- there are many things that are needed in, in our growth toward becoming fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And a life that is dedicated to what we call multiplication, which is fundamentally discipleship, will develop ripples of faith or rhythms of faith into every area of our lives. And each of those rhythms is a tool that that is used to live out and pass on our identity in Christ and our impact for Christ. So while, while it's all important, there's a priority to the order. And I don't want you to miss this. This is the hinge of this morning's message. Okay, Our vertical relationship with God defines our horizontal relationships with others. We talked about that some in our last series as we live out the great commandment and the great, uh, the great commitment and the great commission, right? It all starts with that relationship with God. Ministry of the heart must precede changes in our actions. So this is not moralism. Okay, We're not just talking about being better people. Okay? It's, it's much, much more than that. The priority in the vertical and in the heart is meant to be lived out from the overflow of God's work in us. Now that concept was introduced to me years ago when I was a seminary student. So we had a guy come and speak in our chapel service. And one of the things that he said kind of struck me. He said, I want you folks to know, this is one of the easiest places for you to back, backslide and drift spiritually. I was like, man, we're like... Every day, we're like immersed in the Bible and the languages of the Bible and all those things. And we're studying systematic theology and biblical theology. I mean, how is that possible? And he said, because if you're not careful, it will just become an academic venture. And I found that to be true. There were times in those years that I struggled with just my, my quiet time with the Lord. Because I was, I was doing it for class. I mean, I was, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this prophet and I'm, I'm studying all those things. I think many times we, we fail to see what God is doing in us, how he's working in our lives, and how he wants us to communicate with him all day, every day. 
There's a little poem that captures this whole concept that's attributed to John Bunyan, who, of course, is the author of the, the great literary classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It simply says this, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. So how do we hold those in tension? Working out while God is working in. Working out while God is working in. Jerry Bridges again. The, the book that influenced me the most, my dad gave it to me shortly after I had trusted Christ as my Savior. It's called The Pursuit of Holiness. It says, Our pursuit of godliness must be characterized by dependent discipline. Dependent discipline. So my prayer this morning is that we would let that vocabulary get pressed into our hearts and manifest it in our lives every day. Dependent discipline. We need both, like two wings of an airplane. We need both dependence on God's grace at work in us while we have the discipline to work out our salvation through pursuing God through the means of grace or the rhythms of grace. So don't miss Paul's argument here. God's activity in us, in His grace and in His mercy, every day, Scripture tells us, every day that the sun rises, His mercies are renewed. Thank God, right? God's activity in us should be the catalyst for our activity for Him. Work out, the text says, for it is God who works in you. So God's action in us Again, shouldn't cause us to take a spiritual vacation. No. It should serve as an incentive to press on and to work out what God is working in. It should strengthen our resolve then to get in the Word daily and pray and invest in our community and serve others and share the gospel. There are a lot of ways to do that in the ordinary flow of life. The ordinary flow of life. Let's consider finally number three this morning. See gospel renewal through rhythms of grace. See gospel renewal through rhythms of grace. This is what's awesome. And we talk about this often here at First Baptist Van Austin. We want to be a place where we're not just getting together and getting better informed every week. We want to be transformed, right? Well, this is how it happens right here. This is as old J. Vernon McGee used to say, this is where the rubber meets the road. Okay, we will be changed. We will be changed. Again, the goal when we respond and follow Jesus is to become more like him. That's what discipleship is. There's this idea in the Hebrew that is so amazing to me. It's the idea of following so closely behind the one you are serving. Okay, The word disciple, basically, it's the word mathetes. It's the word, it also translates apprentice. And so when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are apprenticing yourself to him. And the idea in the Hebrew would be that you are following so closely to the one that you are following, to your master, that literally his dust would be kicked up on you. So you're covered in the dust of the one whom you're following. And you're transformed by that. We should all want gospel renewal to happen consistently in our lives. Now, gospel renewal refers to the power 
of the gospel transforming our lives in clear and evident ways. And there may be times where you grow discouraged. I know I do. And you feel like, man, I'm just not sure I'm making any progress. But then if you really stop and think, you're like, you know, a few years ago, I would have responded to that person who cut me off in traffic in a completely different way. Why don't I do that now? And hopefully it's because you're being transformed by the gospel. And you're responding to, to, to mean-spirited people and harsh, harsh people and, and all those things. You're starting to see the gospel transforming your life. You're becoming more like Jesus by his grace and for God's glory. I hope that we can all say that. And we usually assume that these kind of things happen through some extraordinary set of steps or circumstances. But those who study seasons of spiritual renewal would tell you that extraordinary things happen through the ordinary rhythms of grace. The ordinary rhythms of grace. This is what Tim Keller says in his book, Center Church. Gospel renewal or revival is an intensification of the normal operations of the Spirit. And when you're practicing rhythms of grace and you're in the Word and you're praying and you're seeking the Lord and all those things, you will experience conviction of sin and regeneration and sanctification and assurance of grace. And he does that, Keller goes on to write, through the ordinary means of grace. Now if that's true in individuals, what would it take for a church to experience gospel renewal? You think about it. We're the church, right? We're the church. So how can we see the Spirit do a unique work in and through our church? Here's the simple answer. We need a large number of people experiencing gospel renewal on a personal level. So if we want to see renewal on a wide scale, we need the Spirit to work through the ordinary rhythms of grace in an intensified manner so that many people are hungering after God, pursuing together holiness, sharing the gospel, making sacrifices that the kingdom may advance in and through us. That's the exciting thing about the local church. That's why God doesn't intend for us to live the Christian life in isolation, separated from others. And I think one of the things that God showed us during this last two years with COVID and isolation and pandemics and all of those sorts of things is that we need each other. I, I need you. And hopefully you can say, well, I need you too. And together we can pursue Jesus. So what happens when we cultivate the rhythms of grace? Well, the church has changed. Notice what it says. If you continue to read in the text here, into verses 14 and 15, I want you to, to see how this, is, how this be, is practically lived out. In verse 14, we see some practical examples of what it looks like to work out our salvation as God works in us. Notice what Paul says there. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights, in the world. Just one small example of what will happen when Christ rules in our lives. Our relationship with God necessarily changes how we treat one another. How you relate to one another. And then I love this. As we cultivate the rhythms of grace individually and corporately, then the world will be changed. The world will be changed. We sometimes think, man, I did, you know, this world, I, you know, what we need is this, or what we need is that, we've got to get this, we've got to get that. 
It starts right here with me. We should all probably draw a circle around ourselves and say, Lord, start right here. Start with this guy. I need you every day of my life. And so as we cultivate these rhythms of grace, notice then what the text says in verse 15. He says, you will shine as lights in the world. We might call this contagious Christianity. We've been talking a lot about contagions recently. How about if we started living out some contagious Christianity and living lives of irresistible influence for the glory of God? As he's shaping us. You see, when we practice godliness and display God's work in our lives, as we are working out imperfectly, working out what God is working in us, Paul says we will shine as lights in the world. In other words, there will be something distinct about us that people will have to take notice. And ultimately, God will be glorified. Ultimately, God will be glorified. Everything in our life is to be for His glory. That's why we exist. It's why the church exists. And if you look back at at verse number 13 one more time, notice what it says there. It's all for His good pleasure. It's all for His good pleasure. So a fundamental question this morning as we wrap up is, do you know that you are in Christ? I'm not asking this morning if you believe in Jesus or you believe in God. If you've given a mental assent to the existence of God, that's great. But the question really is, do you know Jesus as your Savior, your Lord? Can you point to a time in your life when you turn from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him as your only hope? Your only hope. Again, Jesus came not to just make good people better. He came to make dead people alive. And if you are not in Christ, then Scripture says you are still in Adam. You are still lost in your sin. That's where this starts. If your testimony this morning is one of faith in Jesus Christ, my question is, are you working out what God is working in you? And are you seeing that in the everyday rhythms of your life? As you relate to your coworkers, as you relate to your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and your students and your neighbors and all of those things. How are you utilizing the ordinary things of life for the glory of God and for your sanctification? Would you bow with me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, I'm mindful this morning that your word tells us you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And Lord, while we know that you can certainly use the spectacular and the out of the ordinary and the amazing, the miraculous, I'm even mindful this morning that you used a speaking donkey. We also thank you that you use the ordinary rhythms of life in molding and shaping us into your image. So, Lord, this morning I pray for those who may feel a bit overwhelmed right now. Maybe they're in that season of life. The rhythms of life just seem like a mounting pile of dirty laundry. 
I pray, God, that even when it may be difficult to pause physically, help them, Lord, to pause spiritually. And I thank you. I thank you that in your word, you make an appeal to those who are weary to come to you and you'll give us rest. Rest for our souls. So Lord, tomorrow morning when we wake up, we face another Monday, whatever that may look like for each one of us. I pray, Lord, that we would be determined to use the ordinariness of that Monday, yet another Monday, to be shaped into who you want us to be. Lord, help us to be that canvas and that clay. That you can mold and shape into who you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to submit to that and to see you in the ordinary. Even the moments of frustration, the moments of concern. Lord, continue to work in our lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.